You're listening to the Union Podcast. The Union is a movement dedicated to discovering God's design for sexuality, His hope for restoration, and the power of our destiny through Jesus. Please enjoy today's podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? You are listening to the Union Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am Brian Pugh. And I am Bonnie Pugh. And today, in episode two, we are going to be talking about the role of shame. But first, let us kind of give you a little bit of a snapshot about what the Union is all about. Um, The Union is something that um, that we just launched and uh, is a ministry to help people discover Uh, God's design for sexuality, for relationships, and for marriage, uh, to find restoration and healing from negative sexual experience, but to be empowered also in their destiny in Jesus. So um, we're so glad you tuned in today, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to getting started here. Yeah, definitely. So one thing that we try to do the beginning of the podcast is just really just so you guys can know who it is that you're listening to. Who's behind on the other side? Yeah, so one thing that we like to do at the beginning of the podcast, just to kind of, you know, get to let you get to know us a little bit better, is we throw each other kind of a, uh, a random question that we haven't prepared for mm-hmm. and put each other on the spot and, uh, yeah, just show you a little bit of who we are. And it's kind of more like we put ourselves on the spot because I haven't even thought of a question again for the second time. Even though you know this is coming. Even though I, I knew this was coming. We scheduled that this was going to happen and I don't know, I don't have a question. So, okay. so I'll go first again then. Yes. My question, first. my question for you is Brian, if you could be any type of bird in the world, what would you like to experience just for a day? Not like a lifetime. Just for a day. Hands down. It's a bald eagle. Or any type of larger eagle, just because it's like they just rule the skies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you've never you've never seen an eagle having a bad day. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just think about it. They're just um, winning. Yeah, they're just winning. So yeah, okay. I'd definitely be an eagle. Cool. Okay, my question for you, Bonnie Pugh, if you could meet any um, any historic figure from the 1900s, who would you want to meet and why? And would it be somebody, because 1900s, that means they could still be alive. Without, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, well, it's in the <laughs> 1900s. Yeah, I guess so. I'd... Okay, so then I would say, um, um, always I think of C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And except that, I've thought about if I were to meet him, I feel like our conversation would be more just me saying, hey, why don't you talk and I listen? Oh, for sure. Because I don't know that I could really contribute much. Yeah, yeah, and I'd just be happy to sit and be like, hmm, oh. Yeah, good. totally. Anyways. Totally. I can just imagine, like, if I were to sit down with a guy like that, just really how mind-blowing the things <laughs> I would have to offer that guy. Yeah. Just, I'd pitch him, you know what, I'd probably pitch him an idea about a fictitious lion. Ooh. You know, and like a, a wardrobe that's like a doorway into another another uh, wow. dimension. That sounds like. Yeah, I think he'd really run after it. <laughs> Anyways, all joking aside, this is the Union Podcast, and uh, today, like I said, we are really excited to be talking about kind of a heavy subject, subject of shame, 
And shame, in, in a really good way, shame is actually being talked about in ways that it hasn't been in the past. Um, we're seeing more dialogue about it and more of a conversation about it um, from a psychologist's perspective into just the everyday um, everyday life um, of people. So um, I think this is really great. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, absolutely. So the word shame, um, we've seen a l- different definitions coming out ab- about it. And one that I've heard a little bit commonly would be that Uh, the difference between guilt and shame. This is what I've heard people say. Guilt is uh, the feeling you're going to get when you realize that you've done something wrong. Whereas shame is almost, is this sense that there's something wrong with you. So then there has naturally been this like pushback of like, no, you are not shameful. Um, There's nothing wrong with you. We see a lot of that, like you are perfect the way you are and you are worthy just as you are. And you are, yeah, there's no need to be ashamed of who you are. And that's like in the context of what they're saying, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, But we actually want to just take a minute and even define it in a biblical aspect so that as we talk about it today, it's going to make more sense of where we're coming from. Um, So in in scripture, when we look back to the original language, the word shame actually has to do with the the feeling or the emotion that you get when you do realize that you've done something wrong. Uh, so in the Hebrew, it gives the sense of someone becoming pale. And I think of even as a child, you know, times where you get caught doing something and you kind of like that feeling yeah. you get, um, that would be shame. Uh, whereas guilt in the biblical sense has to do more with the like a, ver- a legal verdict or the implications that would come because of what you've done wrong. Like you are like, it's decided you are guilty. Um, so those are two different. Um, yeah. So that's very different, I guess, from the, um, from the dialogue that mm-hmm. is really common in a lot of psychology right now. Um, maybe it's, it could just be semantics of the words that we've chosen in our, in our right. day and age. Uh, but that's a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the the best ways that I've heard this explained is like shame is kind of like the check engine light on your car. Um, you know, it's not the engine. It's not supposed to be the motivating power in your life. It's not the steering wheel. It's not. Um, it's not what is uh, determining the decisions that you're making in your life and which Mm -hmm. direction to go. And it's definitely not the fuel. It's not your motivation. You're not, you're not supposed to be motivated by shame. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a check engine light. Like even in our van right now, here's a little moment of transparency with us in our van right now. The, the oil change light is on Mm -hmm. and it seems to stare at me, you know, every day I get into the van. It's just, we've been so busy lately. I haven't had time to get the oil change done. But we're going to do that tomorrow. Tomorrow, right? I'm making that phone call tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but it's really even funny. There's actually a button, a button on my dash, like just by the odometer that allows me to kind of like turn that light off. So I don't need to see it. And it's just like, I think we do that so much, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we have this sense of like our, you know, this, this check engine light of our soul is coming on and we just try to cover it with so many different things and we try to mask it and we try to, to hide it. But unfortunately, it's like it's like stinky garbage. You can pile it up and hide it away all you want, but eventually mm-hmm. um, eventually, it's going to come through. The smell is going to seep through and you're going to know. So Yeah, definitely. And one thing we want to add here is that shame is not just something that has to do with the area of sexuality. It really can include any area where we have a conscience 
and we are taking responsibility for the decisions that we're making. So sometimes, uh, something that we've, you know, you've probably seen this or experienced this in your life. Um, sometimes that check engine light can get broken and it can, it can swing from two different like extremes. One extreme is that the engine light doesn't come on. So things that once made you feel guilty, things that you would even say, I know that it's wrong, but I continue to do it so much that it's just like the engine light just doesn't come on anymore. You don't feel shame anymore. The other side of things is that, um, that engine light, no matter what happens and maybe you're like, maybe you have gotten all the, everything done that you need to get done. And yet the engine light stays on and you have this continual sense of shame, even when you shouldn't kind of an unplaced shame or, um, an even illegal shame where you're, you feel shameful for things that weren't even your fault. Uh, and so the goal is not to just smash the dashboard and get mad, but actually to figure out what is actually happening and and so today, when we, as we go through this, I would just encourage you to open your heart to the Lord and say, you know, God, you know, where do I need to find healing? What can, what can I do to better understand shame and my own, my own process and relationships today? Right. Totally. And I think it's important to recognize that, you know, that not, and this, this might sound like a real crazy statement, but I'm going to clarify it here, but like that not all shame is actually um, a tool of the enemy and not all shame is actually a evil force. If I can explain it that way, that actually there is, um, right way shame, I'll call it. And then there's wrong way shame. So like, what do I mean by that? If you ever turned down a, turn down a one way street going the wrong way, it's like, it's terrifying. You know what I mean? I've, I've done it before, of course, by accident. And, and it's just, it's crazy. You're just panicking and you just, you just want to get going the right direction again. And I feel like sometimes that's what condemnation is like, is it just sentences you to, um, to running away even from the problem and running away from the solution and, uh, and ultimately running to a place of brokenness because you know, you drive the wrong way down a one way street you are bound to collide intensely with some other moving objects and it's going to bring pain and it's going to bring, um, it's going to bring a lot of, uh, of hurt into your life. And, um, and then there's, like I said, the, the right way shame, which is actually a sense of, okay, I've done, I've done something wrong, something that, something that's happened. Um, I, I've, I've crossed a boundary even, and I know I need to return to God. I need to get going the right direction and I need to receive his healing because a lot of times we, we can get these two, uh, realities mixed up of conviction and condemnation because the reality is as a Christian, the Holy spirit is convicting you of, of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. He's actually working in your life to shape you and to mold you to become more and more like Jesus. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, you know, the Holy Spirit is working on me and is convicting me and is bringing um, areas of, um, you know, that need growth, that need maturing to the forefront of my mind at times where it's like, I can't seem to just get by it. I have to deal with it. Right. Um, and if we, if we just lump all that, that sense of, um, there being a boundary cross or all that sense of wrongness, I'm going to say, if we lump it all into one just bad ball, we're actually going to miss out on progress and growth 
and maturing in Jesus. So That's right, yeah. So a story that we see in the Bible right near the very beginning in the book of Genesis, uh, it's, you know, one chapter after the creation of the world where God uh, has created everything, brought everything into existence, including the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. And he's very clear with them and has given them uh, a, a one strong boundary. He said, do not eat from the fruit of this tree that's in the very center of the garden. He put it in a really obvious, wide open space place mm-hmm. so that if, I would say for accountability's sake, it's not tucked no away confusion. in a corner, not tucked away in a corner where they could accidentally be alone over, you know, hiding uh, right in the middle and just said, in order for there to be free will in this garden and not actually be a garden of slavery, I'm going to have to give you at least the ability to make your own decision, your own decision in this matter. Uh, and as the story goes, they did not choose wisely and mm-hmm. they, uh, they gave into temptation. They believed their own wisdom instead of the wisdom of God. And they, and they ate from the tree, both of them, man and woman. And it says that right after, right after they did that, all of a sudden their eyes were opened and they realized that they were, um, that they were naked. Cause up until this point, they had been totally nude and totally fine. It was like they were living in this uh, in the garden with complete vulnerability towards one another and towards God. It wasn't a sexualized nakedness. It was just like a pure vulnerability and openness. But as soon as they did something wrong, um, suddenly they realized and they felt awkward about it. And they thought, I, I actually can't handle someone seeing me now um, because of what I've done. And I have this sense of shame. And so it caused them to do... Um, it caused them to run and to hide. They began to run and hide kind of from one another. They covered, covered themselves up. Um, they went into isol into isolation and they hid from yeah. God. Yeah. It says that it says that they made coverings for themselves, which I can only imagine how awkward and difficult that would be to try to use the materials in the garden to create yeah, that'd be crazy. undergarments or a shirt or anything. So they, yeah, so they're in the garden and they're trying to make their own coverings to do anything. They're desperate to avoid this feeling of shame. So that's an, obviously an example of where they're, they're feeling shame and it's pushing them in the wrong direction. We mm. call that con- condemnation, the sense of hopelessness, a sense of failure, a sense of even like, this is the way it's going to be forever now. Mm-hmm. This is my identity. Yeah. And so we see today that people actually do the same thing, um, Often they are, when shame comes into their life, then they run from each other. They hide from, try to hide from God. They go into a place of isolation and they start making up, making coverings for themselves. And I've seen this, um, it could go in, in two different directions. One direction is maybe within the church, there becomes this like kind of frantic religious effort where people pretty much become like a Christian slave girl or a Christian slave boy where they yeah. think I'll just do whatever I can to kind of tip the scale so that God could love me again. Uh, and they have this constant to-do list in their mind of the way that they could make amends or, um, yeah, make up for the things that they've done wrong. Another way that we make coverings for ourselves is we start to, um, compare what we did wrong with what other people have done wrong. And we, and we justify what we did by saying, well, at least it's not as bad as that. 
well, I've never hurt anyone on purpose or, well, I did that a long time ago. I don't do it anymore. Or at least, you know, fill in the blank. We make excuses for our sins, um, to try to alleviate some of our discomfort because of the shame we feel. Uh, and then another way that we dodge shame is we actually completely disregard the boundary and we say, you know what? Well, the rule's stupid anyway. And so it kind of puts us into maybe a place of, uh, yeah, where of defiance or of anger towards, you know, towards a religious system or, you know, those type of terms are used. If the rule's not there, then I can't feel shameful, but it's not true. Like I think shame is just like a malfunction of our design mm-hmm. that comes through sin. Yeah, totally. And just as much as there is a process of shame and in like in that distancing and when your eyes are open to what's wrong and to the boundary that's been crossed, you run and hide, you isolate, and then you make those coverings that Bonnie was talking about. There's also a process actually of restoration. And I think this is um, probably my, my favorite part of this whole interaction um, because things got really bad really quickly. You know what I mean? You look at the story, mm-hmm. they were naked and they were unashamed. There was nothing that they were lacking. There's all this, you know, beautiful stuff. They were, you know, in complete paradise. And then one conversation um, with the serpent, you know, leads them down this road, a compromise, and then things get so crazy. But what I find so amazing um, is that God comes looking, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, that's the crux of the whole gospel. And that's the crux of the whole, really the whole Bible is that not that, that man came to God and that man was looking for God is actually God was looking for man, that his heart was pursuing, was, was tracking down, uh, his creation, whom he loves, who who carries his image, he was pursuing, and we see this because it says, it says in uh, Genesis chapter three, um, in verse eight, it says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So that this this gives that picture that God is actually looking for them in the moment of the separation right in the middle of the the boundary being crossed god is looking for them and he's wanting to pursue hearts and i love it because god starts to ask some questions hey like adam eve like where are you and what i find so interesting is god never asked a question like i love how jesus would do this all the time in the new testament um, and in the gospels we see it specifically he would ask a question not because he's looking for information you know, when God asks, hey, where are you? It's actually a, a statement almost that he's making, trying to get you to think about where you're at right now, trying yeah, to bring an right. awareness to the position that you're in, trying to bring an awareness to the surroundings that you've brought, that you've run to, that you're hiding in. Um, and then Adam answers back when, when God says, like, hey, where are you? He says, like, hey, I heard the sound of you. Uh, in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And then God asked this question again. He's like, who told you you were naked? Was that something I told you, Adam, Eve? Was that something I brought up with you? Mm -hmm. He says, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And so there's, there's this place of, um, you know, I think we talked about it last time, like the power of disclosure you know, that God's, God's not asking these questions because he's looking for information. He's actually wanting to get 
this stuff out of Adam and Eve's heart. Get it out of what they're, um, the core of who they are. They're speaking to the very core of their being, trying to bring the poison that's trying to set in. He's trying to draw that out. That's right, because God knew that if shame became the motivating factor for Adam and Eve, that it would it would cripple them quickly. Mm-hmm. And he he obviously doesn't want that for them. Uh, that being said, he, like a good parent, is clear, and he laid out the consequences of their decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're powerful people, then he, like then that means that the choices that they made, they have to also live with the consequences of what they've done. We see that same thing now in our lives, is that when we make a decision, even in the area of sexuality, it really can bring such extreme consequences to our lives where it it can damage trust, it can damage our bodies. It can damage. Uh, it can break families. There are real consequences of things that will need to be rebuilt. And so God did that with Adam and Eve. He said, mm-hmm. "Here, you guys, because you have made this decision, this is now what the earth is going to be like. This is what your relationship's going to feel like. There's going to be these extra dynamics you're going to have to deal with." But then quickly, immediately after laying out the consequence, I love that he uh, that that God speaks prophetically to the future and and speaks of a Messiah coming, which we know now to be Jesus, his son. And he does that by actually addressing the serpent who was the one who had brought the temptation to them. And, and he says to the serpent, like, you are going to be the kind of the lowest of all creatures now. And I, um, and I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed and then he's and then he says this statement he jesus will bruise you on the head even though you bruise him on the heel and so it's this sense of even though there is this um, death has entered the entered the world now because of the temptation and giving into the temptation i want you to know that there is coming a time when there is going to be an overcoming of sin and death and I think that that's just really important to remember as we face shame and we maybe have to f- even face some consequences that we know that God's heart to us is always speaking life to our future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's this final kind of um, interaction that happens and it's this crazy, um, crazy verse. God, it says that God then made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and then he clothed them. Mm-hmm. Which is just so amazing. And you, you have to understand that in, in that place that there was an animal skin that then was made to cover Adam and Eve. A piece of clothing that that God himself made for Adam and Eve. What I find so amazing is in the early chapters of the Gospel of John, we see John the Baptist when Jesus comes um, through a crowd of people, J- John the Baptist points him out and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in this moment, like what God was doing was actually like a prophetic kind of foreshadowing of who Jesus was going to be and what it was going to mean um, for those who put their faith in Jesus, that they were actually going to have a covering of, of the righteousness of God. Um, and we need to understand that it was actually with great joy um, that God did this for humanity. Like it's his great joy to restore and to forgive and to extend mercy. Um, you know, in Isaiah, there's this, all this, uh, 
this kind of prophetic scripture talking again about Jesus that it says that it pleased God to bruise the son. Was it, does that mean that like, you know, God found joy in the type of death that Jesus suffered? It's like, no, like his, um, the death that Jesus suffered brought about restoration and healing to humanity, which was like the joy of God's heart is his creation. And so um, we see this, you know, this kind of extension of God's mercy is always uh, wanting to minimize the consequences mm-hmm. of these decisions that even though that like these decisions were very serious, that the consequences were very serious, he, mercy always wants to minimize the, those consequences and the effect in your life. Yes, right. And over on our website, we actually have featured a story right now of a woman who she talks about how as a young girl, she really struggled with with uh, embracing her identity as a woman. And she just thought like something's kind of wrong with me. I think I maybe was, maybe I'm bisexual, maybe I, and I'm attracted to women, but she underneath it, she had this desire and, um, yeah, a dream of one day being a mom and being married. And so she didn't know how to kind of, you know, bring those two things together. And so once she started acting out and living in a lifestyle of being bisexual, then she felt like, okay, the hope of, of those dreams is gone. Like the consequences must be that it's, you know, it's gone. Uh, but what she was amazed to discover was that when she brought, you know, kind of her secrets and the things that were weighing her down, when she brought that into the light and started to, um, let God pursue her heart, let the things get kind of pulled out of what was really going on inside that she then discovered that mercy was there to minimize the consequences. Yeah. And now she's rejoicing because she's married to a godly man. And, and now they're the parents of a young, a young baby girl. And she's thinking, I don't deserve this. But that is really the nature of mercy is where we get what we don't deserve. Totally. So that being said, on our website, we actually have more stories that you can go and check out. We're building a collection from people just like you who have gone through things and have met the restoring power of Jesus and want to share their story in order to spread hope to others. So if you want to check that out, we're over at theunionmovement.com and right on the main page there, you can link in uh, to read stories of other people. Well, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning into the the Union podcast today. We hope that this has helped your life. We hope that this has spoken to really where you live and uh, has given you some encouragement, maybe some tools and some truth to to build upon. Um, We really do believe that God's design uh, for sexuality, relationships and marriage is a beautiful thing. And uh, that there really is hope of restoration for those who have had negative sexual experience. And if you're listening to this today, I want you to know that you have a destiny in Jesus. You have a purpose and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you got to where you are. There is always a purpose for your life and it is precious. It was worth Jesus dying for. And uh, so thanks again for listening. Thanks again for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, feel free to reach out. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope your life was impacted greatly. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at unionmovement.com. For more information, visit our website 
theunionmovement.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at theunionmovement. Thank you.